Pastor Dave would say, affectionately, it's great to have the dinglings back in action. <laughs> Welcome First Church this morning on this spring-like morning. Or is it winter? I don't know what it is. Depending on what day of the week, I guess, here in western Ohio. Please look at, the, uh, the, at your bulletin and all the activities we are involved with here at First Church. You know, I look out at many of you here, all of you, sitting in the sanctuary and the many things you're all involved with in, in the church. You know, it, it's It's tremendous. A couple weeks ago, the worship leader commented that the pay was great. This struck a chord with me. 
Is the time we give free? What value does giving our time to the Lord and others have? Is the, is the time we give to the church activities worth, worth more than the time we give in other places like our communities, our families, our workplace? Should we try to value the time given to others? Probably our time given to others is immeasurable, infinite, with our limited understanding. Only Lord can properly value our time given. A few announcements just to highlight uh, regarding some giving and things going on in our church that you're all involved with. The church staff will be serving the soup kitchen on Tuesday, the 14th. If you're interested in going along, please call the office to, to see one of the staff members after church. Donations, if you'd like to give, donate items to the soup kitchen, be happy to take them along. They're always in need of coffee, paper towels, napkins, commercial tin, foil, plastic wrap. You can place those items on the table in the heritage room before Tuesday morning. Wonderful Wednesdays in Lent. It's come along nicely. We have another meeting coming up. And you see the dates posted. Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, meeting at 8 o'clock to do some more planning. Uh, we still need some help with to read uh, for making Bible verse flashcards for students and also help with those Wednesday readings to students or letting them read to you. Uh, there's many areas that you can help with. In particular, I know we, we have the need for two or three more adult helpers you know, to read to the young kids or listen to the young kids to read. We'll be receiving new members in March. If you're interested in becoming a member for church or have questions about what means, please see Pastor Joel or call the office. The church pictorial is in. Books will be available next Sunday in the back of the sanctuary. If you're photographed for the pictorial or submitted a photo, there there will be a book on the table with your name on it. We do have a few extras for purchase as well. Well, let's have the call to worship. Would you please rise? I will sing of the Lord's great love forever with my mouth. I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that we have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Now let us sing the song, Ten Thousand Reasons, Bless the Lord.
Amen. You may be seated. Now, I want to at this time invite forward Annette Thompson and Brian Hoagie, as well as any of our, our current elders that we have with us today. Matt and Brian, I invite you to stand right here. Uh, last week, we got to um, ordain our new elders and deacons that are, are starting to serve on consistory, that, starting actually at the beginning of February. Uh, and, and these two couldn't be with us last week, so we're going to go ahead and, and do it all over again so that they can uh, be ordained and, and we can be praying for them in front of the whole church. And so uh, for those of you here last week, we, you know, we, we asked them a few questions just uh, in regard to, to their faith in Christ and their commitment to serve as, in this new role at First Church. Um, and then uh, going to be praying for them as well. So um, this time I'm going to ask you these questions and just ask that you would respond uh, after me. Do you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe the Old and New Testaments to be the inspired word of God? And do you commit to align your life according to the Bible to the best of your ability with the help of the Holy Spirit? And do you feel called by God to the office of deacon to serve God and edify the first church of New Knoxville? And do you commit to fulfill the responsibilities of deacon as outlined in your constitution, which include the ability to aid in securing the funds necessary for the support of the church, foster the principles of Christian stewardship, dispense the charity of the church, and assist in the distribution of the elements of the Lord's Supper? Amen. Let's pray. Um, just want to invite you to our, our elders that are here this morning to just lay hands on, on you if you're comfortable with that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, since the time of the apostles, you have inspired the church to commission certain members to insist in a special way in the pastoral mission of Christ. Hear our prayer for your faithful people, that in their vocation and ministry, each may be an instrument of your love, and give to your servants now to be ordained the needful gifts of grace. Bless the deacons, that they may be humble and faith-inspired in their service. We ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. You guys may be seated. And and as they're finding their seats, I invite our children to come forward for Children's Church. And as as they're coming forward, uh, greet your neighbor and, and welcome them this morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Oh, my. I only got one good morning. Good morning. Well, I've got a little treat here for you guys. And on Tuesday, we're celebrating Valentine's Day. I made stuff for the uh, girls at Michelle's house for Valentine's Day. I did too when I was little. Did you? Yeah, I used to make mailboxes that you'd accept all your Valentine cards in. It was awesome. Anyways, I have a Bible lesson regarding love because on Tuesday is Valentine's Day. And why do we celebrate Valentine's Day? Do you guys know? Because it's Valentine's Day? (laughs) That's right. Well, we celebrate Valentine's Day to have one day where we really, 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 really show the person that we love that we love them. We show them all the time, all year long, but we really show them our love that one day. Really. So I have 
see if my Bible will stay up here. My heart. And your heart is what you give to somebody, right? When you love somebody, you give them your heart. Do you guys love your mom and dad? Or who is somebody that you guys really love? Your mom and dad, okay. Your siblings. You really love who? Your friends. You really love your friends? That's so good. Your cousins, absolutely. You guys love your whole family and your friends, too. That's excellent. Well, there's one person who I'm thinking really showed the greatest example of love, and that's Jesus. And how Jesus shared his love was through Dying on the cross for us because he loved us that much. But also, there's another greater love. I think the greatest love of them all. And that is the love that God our Father had for his son. And God the Father loved his son so much that in this little bag of candy, I have little These are conversation hearts. They're little candies, so you have to take these home with you. And there's things like be mine or all mine or true love or love me, I'm sure, sweet talk, be good, or fax me. I don't get that one, but fax me's on there. Anyways, but they're called God's conversational hearts. And God tells us to be mine. And in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. And whoever believes in his Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us, will one day live in heaven with him. And he, so that's the greatest love of all, I think, because he gave his one Son, you know, just how your mom and dad love you guys. They love you so much, and they would sacrifice, and that's a hard thing to do. It really is. But God also tells us, let me see here, in John 10, if I can flip my page here real quick, God also tells us that we are like his sheep. Have you guys ever heard of sheep? Do you guys know what sheep do? Yeah? I heard of I love veggie tails. I love veggie So, sheep are in a pasture and they always stay together, right? But what if they one of them like kind of wanders off because they're like, "Ooh, I like this tree. That tree's got shade. I want to go there." So they go there and they wander off away from everybody else. God's like our shepherd, and he comes and gets us because he wants to be keep us safe. So that's showing love. But God says we are his sheep and we shall know his voice. Do you guys know your mom and dad's voice? Of course. So if your mom and dad called on a number that you didn't know, you picked up the phone and they said, hello, Caleb. Do you think that you'd pick out your mom and dad's voice? Yeah, I think you guys would. So that's how God calls us. He says we should know his voice. 
So, but I just wanted to share that with you guys today, and you guys can have somebody this afternoon maybe sit with you and read these scriptures because they're pretty cool scriptures. So, okay, you guys want to bow your heads, close your eyes, we'll go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, we so thank you for your never-ending love that you show us. Lord, please open our eyes and our ears to see and hear your love this week. Let our hands serve you and let our feet follow you. We love you, Father, in all your name, through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Is there enough candy for all of us? or <laughs> For the choirs out here? <laughs> all right. Well, as they're uh, getting their treats and finding their seats, um, just want to encourage you all to, to continue to be praying for the names that are listed in our bulletin this morning. Uh, some of them are, are ones that have been there for a while that still need our prayers. Some of them are, are new and updated. Um, I just encourage you to, to take a look at those um, and not only pray for them this morning, but, but pray for them throughout the week. Uh, God's Word talks about how prayer is, is such an important thing. And one of the, the things he calls us to do is to pray for those who are in need and lift them up to the Lord. And so um, as we do that together this morning, I want to encourage you to do that on your own as well throughout the week. Um, as we're singing our, our worship song this morning, 10,000 Reasons, I was thinking of that last verse, um, how that, that when our strength is failing and, and when our time on this world is done, that in Christ, if we put our hope and our trust in him, we have that hope of being with him forever and that uh, 10,000 years of, of being with him will be just the beginning of that, uh, of that eternity spent with him. And so while, while we may face hardships and difficulties and pain and suffering in this life, we have that hope of eternity with Christ to look forward to. Let's pray to the Lord now. Father, thank you so much for uh, the promise of your word, the promise of eternal life through Christ our Lord. Uh, Lord, that is such an encouragement and a hope for us to hold on to, uh, especially when, when things in this life um, aren't going the way that we want them to or expect them to. Uh, Lord, we face hardship. We face health problems. We face financial difficulties. We face relationship issues within family and friends. Uh, but, Lord, all of that pales in comparison to, to the hope of glory we have in you and an eternity spent with you. But as we're in the midst of these hard times, in the midst of these difficulties, Lord, um, it can be overwhelming and it can be difficult to, to keep our eyes focused on that. And so I pray for strength for those who are, who are in the midst of trouble, in the midst of difficulty. I pray that you would give them the strength and the faith to focus their eyes on you um, and, and, and see you working in the midst of what's going on. And I pray that you would surround them with loved ones and, and family and friends, Lord, um, who can care for them and be there for them. Lord, we do pray for your healing hand to be upon those who are in need and that you would provide for, for others, Lord, who may be in need as well. Uh, we just ask that you would work your will in each of these situations. We put, uh, uh, we put each name on this list in your hands and pray that your will would be done, trusting, Lord, that you know what it is exactly that we need. Uh, we pray all these things in the name of Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. 
invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward at this time. Our, our offering this morning is going to support our outreach ministry fund here at the church to help those uh, in the community and around the world who are in need. standing for the scripture this morning. The reading is from Hebrews 10, verses 23 through 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, 
as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And now we'll sing hymn number 284, They Will Know We Are Christians By Our Love. be seated. Let's pray together again. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity um, that I have to, to, to lead and to, to, to preach your word. I pray that you would um, bless this time that we have together this morning. Uh, thank you for times of prayer and worship through song um, and scripture reading. And I pray now that you would bless us, our time as we open your word together. I pray you give me the words to speak and open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. In Christ we pray. Amen. So as we've been, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I believe, that, that as we are preaching through this mission statement and, and going through each one of these statements, uh, they kind of build off of one another. You know, we talked about that, that uh, first initial mission statement about being a community of faith. Uh, who engage biblical truth to provide an environment where people mature as disciples of Christ. That's, that's the foundation that we are now building on as we, as we preach through these, these E statements that follow. And, and really, in order to, to live out each one of them, 
uh, the, especially the ones that we've talked about so far, about encountering our Creator, embracing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord to become His disciples, empowering lives through God's living word, the Bible, and engaging the Holy Spirit to provide guidance and direction. In order to really fulfill those to the best of our ability and the best that, that God desires for us as a church to do that, uh, we need encouragement. We need to encourage others, and we need encouragement ourselves to know Christ and to strengthen our relationship with God. See, we weren't meant to do this whole faith thing alone. We weren't meant to to be some lone ranger Christians that were just kind of out on our own trying to make it without the help of others. God has has put us together as a church, as a body of believers, in order to encourage and and build each other up and, and to inspire each other on to love and good deeds, as this Hebrews passage talks about. You know, we can go, you know, we, we have a personal responsibility um, to, to make Christ our own Lord and Savior, right? That's a decision that you make that's between you and God to, to commit your life to him, to put your trust in him. Uh, but as we grow in that faith, as we grow more and more into the image of Christ, we need each other to help us along that journey, to help us along um, that path of life that, that helps us to become more like Christ. Uh, like I said, we weren't meant to do this on our own. Um, we're meant to, to build each other up and to help each other through this time. I said we weren't meant to be Lone Ranger Christians, but if you think about it, even Lone Ranger had Tonto, right, to help him when he was in need. So, so even the idea of being a Lone Ranger is just not really there to begin with. Um, even he needed someone to help him and to help him through difficult times. And in the same way, we need others to help us and to, to help us to grow in our faith. Our mission statement says that we're called to be a community of faith, not a group of individuals. Right, we're called to be a community. We're called to, to be one as the body of Christ. Um, and that's not always an easy thing. Uh, if, if you've been around people for any length of time, you know it can get messy. But, but it's what God calls us to do, and it's the way that he has He's wired us, and it's the way that he has made us um, in order to grow in his image. Uh, if you think about it, even God is, is in community with himself. Even before the creation of the world, there was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, in relationship with each other. God himself is relational. God, that's the way God is, and that's the way he created us, to be in relationship with other believers and with him as well. And so we, we need that community. We need that, that, uh, that encouragement that we receive from other believers and other brothers and sisters in Christ. This passage that we're looking at today from Hebrews uh, begins with this, this command to hold on to that hope that we have and hold on to it unswervingly with this confidence and this determination to not give up. And the hope that, that he's talking about here has really been, been explained throughout the middle section of Hebrews, chapters 4 through 10. And, and of course, we're not going to go, be able to go back and look at those today. But, but the gist of what he's been talking about throughout this middle section of the letter to the Hebrews was, was talking about how Jesus is our new high priest. And he, and he talks about uh, what Christ did in comparison to this old sacrificial system that was outlined in the Old Testament, the system of, of priests and, and, the, and then the high priest over that, um, and the sacrifices that were needed in order, to, for the, in order for the people's sins to be forgiven and, and for them to remain pure. The, the problem, though, was that those sacrifices needed to be made over and over again. The sacrifices weren't sufficient to cover their sins. Um, it, it, was, it was simply a foreshadow of what was to come. 
And so when a sacrifice was made, the problem was they would go home and they would sin some more and then would need to go back and offer another sacrifice. Can anybody relate to that? Right? We, we do that all of the time, right? We make mistakes. We fall short of God's glory. And so, so if we needed to continually offer sacrifices, it would never, we would never see the end of it. That, that system wasn't sufficient. It was simply meant to point us to something greater. And that, that something greater, the author of Hebrews explains, is Jesus. He is our, he is our high priest. And it was not through the sacrifice of, of animals that, that our sins are forgiven, but he offered himself the perfect sacrifice. God in the flesh sat, was sacrificed for our sins to be forgiven. And that was a once for all, complete, perfect sacrifice. And so now, um, because of what he's done for us and because of his faithfulness, it says, not our own, but his faithfulness, we can draw near to God. When Christ died on the cross, uh, I think it's the Gospel of Matthew, talks about how the moment that Christ died, the moment that he, he cried out to God, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, and, and, and claimed it is finished and gave up his life, it was at that moment that, that the temple, or excuse me, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. And it may seem like, you know, okay, why is this random detail thrown in there? What does that have to do with what, what Christ did for us on the cross? Well, the curtain is what separated the people from the most holy place, the holy of holies. And it was in that, that small room that was separated off from the rest of the temple that, that God's presence really dwelled. Um, and, and even the high, the high priest was the only one that was allowed to enter into that room, and he was only allowed to do it once a year on the Day of Atonement. And so it was a very special, very sacred place. And it was, um, you know, from, from an Old Testament perspective and from, uh, the, from the, the sacrificial system perspective, that's where God was, right? He was in the most holy of holies, and, and that curtain separated us from him. But the moment that Christ died, that curtain was torn in two, uh, symbolizing the access that we now have through Christ um, to the Father, as the perfect high priest who offered that perfect sacrifice for us, we no longer have to go through this, this old system, right? We now have access directly to the Father through Christ. And so um, because of what he's done for us, because of that faithfulness that he displayed, uh, we now have that ability to, to draw near to God. And so he's, he's telling us to hold on to that hope. Hold on to that promise. Don't, don't give up. Don't forget what Christ has done for us. And so we need to hold on to that as we go through this life, as we face hardship, as we, as we make mistakes and sin again, right? We need to hold on to that hope and remember what Christ has done for us and hold on to it with determination, right? Do it so unswervingly because of his faithfulness. If it was up to us, if it was up to our faithfulness, none of us would make it very far, right? We all fall short of God's glory. We all make mistakes, even the one who's committed their life to Christ and, and, and grew up in the church and, and has, from before they can remember known the Lord, they make mistakes too. Right? None of us are immune to it. So if it was up to our faithfulness, we would, uh, we would fall short. We wouldn't have any hope to hold on to. But it's because of his faithfulness, because what he says is true, and because of his promises to us, we can have that hope and that confidence. And so, so really this passage here in Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 is really kind of the, the, the ending to that whole argument that he'd been making, the whole conversation about what Christ had done for us and, and the significance of his sacrifice. Uh, and so to close this off, I don't think it's any coincidence that the author then immediately commands us 
to spur one another on, to encourage one another, and to not give up meeting together um, right, right after he commands us to hold on to the hope. You see, I think we need each other in order to hold on. If it was just us, if it was just up to our own strength and our own determination, we wouldn't make it. But we need to hold on and trust in his faithfulness, trust in the Lord's faithfulness, but we also need each other to encourage each other along the way. So that's why we do this whole thing called church. That's why we, we gather together and we, we get up on Sunday mornings and sing songs and pray together and hear God's word read because, because we need that to strengthen our relationship with God. We need that in order to hold on to the hope that he has provided for us. I mentioned last week that um, one of the one of the common uh, analogies for for us as believers as the church in the New Testament is this idea of being the body of Christ. It's mentioned a few times, and and one of the most prominent places in for, is in First Corinthians chapter twelve, um, and it's a reminder that as Christians uh, we need each other, and and we are one body even though we're made up of many parts. Right? None of us are the same. None of us are just like another person. God has made each one of us unique. Um, and so we need each other. In order to be a healthy body, we need all of our parts active and working. Uh, Paul writes, beginning in verse 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If there were all one part... Where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, and that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. See, we're all called to be that one body, and we need each other in order to be a healthy body. We can't say, you know, we don't really need you, you know, you're not very important, because every part of the body is important, and we need it to be healthy and to be strong. And healthy church body is the same way. We need each other. We need each other to grow. Um, it's not just a, a one-person gig. It's not just, you know, one small group of people aren't, aren't the ones that make up the church. It's all of us. And we need what you have to offer in order to be a healthy body. Right? We can't, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Right? The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Right? We all need each other. And we all have different gifts and different abilities that God has blessed us with, different talents. And we all bring that special gift, that special ability to the table. And so we can't say we don't need each other. In fact, in order to be healthy, we do need each other. And, and how, we, how we approach that and how we um, 
live as a body impacts each person. How many of you ever stubbed your pinky toe? <laughs> or stepped on a Lego in the middle of the night? Yeah. Yeah, your pinky toe is like the small, one of the smallest parts of your body, right? But the moment you stub it, your whole body feels it, right? You know it. And the same is true with Christ in our, in, in the body of Christ. Right? We may feel like we're insignificant. We may feel like we're not important. We may feel like we don't have a whole lot to offer. But in reality, we are all each important. And when one part suffers, when one part is lacking, when we stub our toe, it affects the whole body. And so we need each other. We, and, and so um, the opposite is true as well. When, when we're able to take care of each other, when we're able to build each other up and encourage each other and spur each other on towards love and good deeds, it, it has a positive impact on the whole body as well. And so we need each other in order to grow. In the New Testament, uh, throughout the Gospels, throughout the letters, um, there's, a, there's a, a lot of commands that, that some people have, have called the one another commands. Um, depending on your translation of the Bible and, and how things are worded, um, there's anywhere there's there's about 59 of these commands throughout the New Testament, and they're 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 probably familiar to you uh, if you think about it. But but they're all um, they all relate to how excuse me they all concern how Christians should relate to each other, how how brothers and sisters in Christ should treat each other, and you know what the number one one another command is the one that occurs more often than any other in the in the New Testament. Love, love one another. Um, that is by far and away the most common of these commands. We see Jesus commanding his disciples to to love one another. In fact, uh, as we sang before the sermon, right? Jesus tells his disciples, "People will know that you're my followers. People will know that you're my disciples if you love one another." Right. That's the mark. Uh, that's the defining characteristic of a Christian is is loving each other and and loving each other not with a worldly sort of love but with with God's love, letting that overflow in our lives towards each other. These one another commands also uh, deal talk about having to deal with each other in humility. You know, not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought, but but putting others before ourselves. Uh, and then also many of them deal with serving one another. Not just thinking of others, uh, not, not just being humble in our mind or in our hearts, but in our actions as well. Actually putting it into practice and, and serving one another in the body of Christ. See, all these one another commands, if we were to take time this morning, uh, which we certainly don't have, uh, but if we were to take a time and look at them, we'll realize that we have a responsibility to each other. As Christians, we have a, we have a responsibility to, to serve one another, to love one another, to, to lift each other up. Um, in the Lord, we often think um, as we gather together as Christians, especially on Sunday mornings, uh, there, there's kind of two two purposes to it. Where we gather to be fed ourselves, we gather to to be nourished by God's word and and by the encouragement of others. But but we're also we also are here to pour into each other's lives too. Um, if we're if we only think of ourselves as being a part of this church this morning, of listening on the radio or or showing up on a, on a Wednesday night uh, just to be fed, just for someone to pour into us, we're missing half of the equation. That's important. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's important to be nourished and to grow spiritually yourself. But if, you're, if you have no thought of how you are then pouring into others, if you have no thought of how you are helping someone else to grow in their faith, uh, you're missing half of the equation. 
It's, it's that kind of attitude is selfish. It's self-centered. It's, it's, a, it's consumerism. It's the idea of what have you done for me lately? You know, I show up and, and I want things my way and I want it done this way so that I can be fed. And, and if nobody else likes it, well, sorry. You know, this idea of that it's all about us. But when we have the attitude of trying to encourage others and build others up, we stop thinking about just ourselves and thinking of those around us as well. And we're fed, we're poured into, not just for our own benefit either. You know, we, we want to grow in Christ. Um, we want to be fed in that way. But it's the reason for it is so that we can then go on to show love and good deeds towards others. Right? We're, we want to spur each other on towards those things. And so when we're fed, when we are able to grow spiritually, we're called to then turn around and give it right back to others. And so as we gather for worship, as we gather in small groups and Bible studies and, or meet one-on-one with a brother and sister in Christ, in doing that, we should, we should be encouraged to then share that with others, to take what we've been learning and then put it into practice in real and practical ways. See, serving others, being, um, going out of your way to help someone, uh, to use a, a Christianese term, you know, being in ministry, is not just for pastors or super Christians, not just for people who work at the church. We're all called to do that. We're all called to, to minister in one way or another. We're all called to live out our faith each and every day in real and practical ways. And so as we're being fed, we're called to then use that to pour into other people's lives. Mother Teresa once said, you can do no great things, only small things with great love. I think that's true. We can be intimidated a lot of times by the idea of trying to, to encourage another Christian by trying to help someone out. But if we think about it not as some big task, as some overwhelming responsibility, but as just small little things we do with great love, we can make a big difference in someone's life. And encouraging and spurring others on does have a personal benefit as well, if we're honest. Um, we often learn and grow the most when we have the opportunity to, to teach and to share with others. Uh, I know that from, from my own experience as a pastor, but, uh, you know, how much, how much having to work and prepare for sermons and, and lead small group Bible studies, you know, like that, that helps me to grow in my own faith, uh, because it forces me to, to think about things I normally wouldn't think about and put things into perspective that, that maybe I didn't see before because I'm helping others to learn as well. When I was in college, I, I tutored people in physics when I was a science major. And, and when I was in seminary, I, I tutored people in, in Hebrew class. And, and all of those were, were ways that I grew. I felt like I got just as much out of it as the people I was tutoring because I was forced to, to not forced, that sounds like the wrong word, uh, being in that position of, of encouraging and helping someone um, helped me to grow as well. And so how can we encourage others? And be encouraged ourselves. How can we practically live out what this passage from Hebrews is teaching us to do? We, first of all, we can participate in the life of the church. Um, this is not a call to be here every time the doors are open. Right? That, that leads to this idea of legalism and you have to be here. You're not really a good Christian. That's, that's not, what I'm, <clears throat> not what I'm proposing at all. What I'm saying is that, that are you participating? Are you active in the life of the church? Are you worshiping with brothers and sisters in Christ? And are you committed to, to the church and living out the mission statement? Or are you just going through the motions? I think it's a question we need to ask ourselves. Are, what is our motivation for doing this? Sometimes 
Simply just being here is an encouragement to others. It's the idea of the ministry of presence. Not presence like gifts, but presence like being present with another person. Simply sitting in this pew or being here on a Sunday morning can be an encouragement to to those around you. And you may never even realize it yourself, but it's true. So so we can participate in the life of the church. We can also uh, join a small group or Bible study. You know, those are opportunities to develop excuse me, personal relationships better than we can on Sunday mornings. You know, that meet and greet time we have is great, but it's just not enough. You know, um, so having, having a group of Christians that you meet with regularly to support you and to learn from can be a great way to, to encourage others and to be encouraged yourself. You know, we have a lot of them already here at First Church. We have the men's group that meets at 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We have uh, the Sunday school class that meets in the Heritage Room, the Gospel Project over in the Ministry Center, Throughout the week, we have the BG girls, grandma's group, the gathering. Uh, we have youth group for our teenagers, confirmation, children's Sunday school classes. Like we have a lot of this stuff going on. And, and so if you want to be encouraged, if you want to encourage others, how can you get involved in one of those, one of those different ministries in order to, to do that? Also, we can have um, Paul and Timothy in our lives. I've talked about this before, about about having those relationships where, where we're learning from someone else and kind of a mentor in our lives, but then we also can have that opportunity to mentor someone else. We're all at different stages of our spiritual journey. We're all at different points in our walk with Christ. And so finding someone that's a little further along than you can be an encouragement and can help you to grow. And then, and then finding someone that maybe you're a little bit further along then and helping them to get where you are um, is a great way to encourage someone as well. I think of Moses and Joshua and how this played out in their lives. As Moses came to the end of his life and he knew he'd be passing on leadership to Joshua, uh, he called Joshua to him and encouraged him with, with God's word and God's command to not be afraid, to be strong and courageous. And after Moses passes away and passes on that leadership to Joshua, he then turned around and said those almost same exact words to the people of Israel. You know, Joshua is kind of the middleman in that situation, right? He was encouraged by Moses, but then he was able, because of that encouragement, to then turn around and pass it on to, to others. Somebody once said, Christianity is simply one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. Simply just pointing out how to, how to know Christ and how to grow in your relationship with him. It's as simple as that. It's not doesn't require a seminary degree doesn't require a job at a church. It's just simply pointing people towards Christ and helping people to grow in their relationship with him. There's a, there's a great book I, I, I just reread recently called Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a great uh, pastor and theologian uh, who lived in, in Germany in the middle of the, the 20th century. And in his book, he talked about how, how Christians can <coughs> excuse me, minister to one another. And there's a few things that we need to do in order to make that happen. And first, we need to have a sense of meekness and humility. Recognize that we're all sinners. And, 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 and we need to recognize, like Paul, that we are the chief of sinners. Right? That, that if, we, if we start ranking things and, and, and we, we think that other people's sin is greater than our own, we can never truly help them and encourage them. We cannot truly love someone if we think their sin is worse than ours. Instead, we need to humble ourselves and put other people first. Second, we need to learn to listen and actually listen. Don't just wait for your turn to speak. 
but actually listen to what other people are saying. And this is something that's so needed in our culture. Right? People pay others hundreds of dollars an hour just to sit there and listen to them because they don't get it anywhere else. And so you can be an encouragement to somebody simply by listening. You can help someone and bear their burdens, help to meet no needs. I believe it's a sin to help someone, or excuse me, that sounded terrible. I believe it's a sin not to help someone when it's in your power to do so. Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. You know, I think of the group that just delivered all of those donations to the Tennessee wildfire uh, relief effort. Many of those donations and the money that came in came from you as a church and in the community. And these people took it down and, and delivered it this past week. What a blessing. What a way to help people who are in need when, when it's in our power to do so. And finally, <coughs> excuse me, we can speak God's word into their life. And when we do so, we need to speak it with grace and truth. The most encouraging thing that we can do for someone is remind them of the promises and the truth of God's word. This could be a, a word of positive encouragement. It can be a word of maybe gentle rebuke, um, as we talked about and when we looked at Second Timothy. Um, sometimes God's word helps us to stay on course and correct us when we've maybe wandered off a little bit. And so we can speak God's truth into their lives by reminding them of the promises and truth of God's word. But the thing is, we can only do this with credibility when we've done steps one through four, when we've been humble, when we've listened to someone, when we've gone out of their way to help them and bear their burdens. That's what gives credibility to us speaking truth into their lives. You know, forming that relationship with someone and helping them to, to, to see the truth of God's word, it comes in the context of a relationship. That's why it's so important to keep meeting together as... Um, as Hebrews 10 talks about, building those relationships. So when the time comes, when we need to speak truth into someone's life, we do so out of the context of a loving relationship within the body of Christ. And in doing so, we will build each other up and, and spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And so let's be the church that builds each other up and not tears each other down. We get enough of that in this culture already. We get enough of, of people speaking down to us and, 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 and tearing us down brick by brick. Instead, let's be the church that builds each other up and encourages each other and find ways to speak truth and love into each other's lives. And in doing so, we will grow more and more into the image of Christ in our own lives as well as the church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to, to encourage people this morning. I pray that, that through your spirit we would be encouraged um, and that, that you would spur us on towards love and good deeds through the relationships that we form here in this church and in, in, in our communities. In Christ we pray. Amen. Let's stand and in closing um, sing our final hymn, number 379, Take My Life and Let It Be.
Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.